Hello, assalamu alaikum and welcome to a new edition of Islamophonic. It's 2009 and what better way to start a new year than to look at new Muslims. Converts, reverts, call them what you like. These folk are helping to make Islam the fastest growing religion in the world and for that we salute you. In this show we hear from men and women who have taken the plunge. We weren't Muslim at the age of 12, 13 but we refrained from like eating pork. We never kind of really drank alcohol. We just didn't grow up like other teenagers. I'll be talking to a conversion expert, yes there is such a thing, on why people choose Islam and what happens when they do. I'll find out what it's like being the only Muslim in the village and I do my bit for the cause by finding some new recruits. Would you like to know how to convert to Islam? Not particularly, no. I'm an atheist. That's what we've got for you coming up in Islamophonic, putting the mmm into Muslim. We were doing a lot of the same works, but on different parts of the world. So we decided to form a union to work together. My wife, in actual fact, uh, shops at Marks and Spencer's. And what she does, she actually... She buys an ordinary outfit and yes. she changes the buttons and everything and she makes it look spectacular. So Marks and Spencer's, in actual fact, is, has some very good quality clothing. I needed a break and uh, I took the opportunity. A lot of people, I suppose, were, were very upset. The fact that there would be no more, you know, records or tours for that matter. Um, I feel like I'm relevant. I mean, I feel like you know, I call my album The Renaissance because over the last few years there's been a lot of discussion amongst the coveted brain trust here in hip-hop about the depreciation of the music. Those were four famous converts to Islam, but do you know who they were? We'll give you the answers at the end of the programme. I was born Muslim, and tell me if you can identify with this, I take my religion and my religious identity for granted sometimes. Instead of experiencing any revelation, my religion is just there, like my skin colour or hair colour. What I found, though, it's different for people who have converted to Islam. Miriam and Maria are two young women who really did their homework and they really know their stuff. When I met them, I asked Maria what attracted her to a religion that has a reputation for oppressing women. I became a Muslim five years ago and it was through looking on the internet and initially I was convinced by all the miracles in the Quran. However, I later found that these verses could be interpreted in loads of other ways. So I had to look for another reason to stay Muslim and um, I realized that Islam makes the most sense to me. The rituals fulfill me the most because you always stay in touch with the religion all throughout the day. I had all these negative ideas about what Islam was. I thought, you know, if a woman doesn't wear a scarf, they would stone her, things like this. But my friend said it's not true, but they didn't really know how to explain it. So I went online and I found out about all the issues and I was really, actually saw the other side of the story, which convinced me about it. So I ended up converting because of questioning in the beginning, really. My name's Emily Francois Gerard, although my Muslim name is Miriam, but I kind of use both interchangeably, to be honest. How long have you been Muslim and why did you become Muslim? Um, I converted once I graduated from Cambridge, so 2003, and I converted following a series of debates with uh, some Muslim friends of mine 
who uh, were also studying, uh, essentially they were what I'd call practicing Muslims and I I was giving them a hard time for believing in, in uh, unicorns and fairy tales as it were and, um, and for, um, you know, being oppressed you know, with these terrible headscarves and uh, why should they, ex- ex- you know, accept this this barbaric religion? You sounded like you were something of an Islamophobe. Yeah, I mean, I, I pretty much would describe my views as, as that of the pseudo-liberal uh, um, middle or upper middle class British view. It took me about a, a year, over a year of uh, really interacting with their faith, then acknowledging that I did have this belief in God. Initially, I went back to church. I started attending church again and, um, you know, kind of started to read the Bible. But as I said, uh, for me, the case was one of investigating the claims of various religions and for whatever reason, um, feeling that the evidence weighs highly or disproportionately in favour of of Islam. How did you actually convert? Um, Did you go to a mosque or did you ask your friends to help you in any way? I went to Regent's Park Mosque. It was with my two Singaporean friends who arranged the whole thing. So we looked like a funny group because they're all smaller than me and we went with their parents and yeah, I just said the Shahada in front of the Imam. That was that. I was Muslim. It kind of felt weird, but went home and started trying to learn how to pray and get into the whole thing. So you didn't know how to pray before you converted? It was something you learned afterwards? Yeah, I kind of tried it in the beginning, but yeah, it was something I learned afterwards and I found it very hard to pray five times a day. It kind of seemed like all I was doing all day was praying, but then eventually you get used to it. What else do you get used to? Um, like drinking used to be a big part of my life, so now I don't drink. And clothes, I've kind of stayed the same with clothing, even though I've had um, periods when I thought of wearing the scarf and I used to wear longer clothing, but now I'm kind of comfortable just with the inner religion more like more than the outer religion. Were you ever scared at all about what you were experiencing? Um, I, I think the fear didn't actually kick in until a lot further on when I had to give up certain things and I realised that there were going to be long-term consequences and repercussions for the choices that I was making. And um, I think it's unfortunate that when you convert to Islam as opposed to, say, Buddhism, which has great press, um, you tend to be confronted by uh, a barrier of... And it's not ignorant. It's not ignorance because ignorance you could cope with. It's a barrier of misinformation, which you then have to break down with every single person you know in order to start at ground zero. And it's extremely tiring, and it can be incredibly frustrating because often you're dealing with people that you may have known your entire life, and suddenly you're having to explain things which you'd expect them to take for granted, like you know. Do you think killing people's fine? It's like, for God's sake, you've known me since I was four. The kind of changes that you had to make, were they superficial changes to your wardrobe or were they more fundamental changes to your lifestyle, let's say? I personally never found the changes to my wardrobe particularly troubling. Actually, I... A lot of my friends said I became much more feminine when I started to um, cover up and 
um, wear a headscarf because I was always a, a bit of a tomboy actually. And suddenly I realized the value of long dresses and cardigans and pretty colors. So um, I think that it, it definitely helped me become more effeminate and more comfortable in my femininity. I'm comfortable not wearing the scarf and I don't think I'll ever wear it, to be honest. It's just, I'm more happy focusing on the internal side of things. I've gone through stages of looking at certain issues which I found I didn't really agree with, like certain hadiths about women's intelligence and things like that. But yeah, it's actually helped me a lot to study Islam at university and um, I've resolved all my conflicts inside my head, which is what really matters to me. Do you ever regret making the decision to convert? No, I don't. I miss some of the things, um, but I don't regret it at all. It gives me a lot of peace in my, in, you know, in my heart, so it's not something I would change. That was Miriam and Maria talking about how and why they converted to Islam. Most of the people I meet who have converted did so to marry a Muslim. It might not be a bunch of roses or a box of chocolates, but abandoning a religious tradition or no religious tradition and becoming a Muslim to be with a person you love is kind of romantic, I suppose. But I want to know what, other than a match made in heaven, motivates people to embrace Islam. More importantly, what effect does conversion have on their friends, families and lifestyles? Let some light on this. On the line from Lancaster University, we have Leon Musavi, who's studying convert communities in Britain. Leon, why do people choose Islam? Well, the first thing I'd like to say is that there's a lot of different reasons for this because obviously the, the different converts come from different backgrounds. So there is obviously no one reason why people um, choose to embrace Islam. Um, but one thing that I think is interesting to point out is that the common stereotype that people have been either forced to convert to Islam or have been brainwashed into it, has I have found through the many converts that I've spoken to that this is untrue and that people find in Islam something that they admire or some type of belief that they can they, they want to subscribe to. So in, in, the important thing to say is that it's often a rational decision, um, not something based on being brainwashed. Now, a lot of the people I spoke to didn't go into detail regarding the reaction from friends and families yeah. and some of them asked me not to ask them about it. Yeah. Um, I get the feeling that telling your loved ones that you're becoming a Muslim is like giving a bit of bad news to someone almost. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, this is one of the, the kind of biggest challenges that a lot of Muslim converts face. Again, it's important to say that not all Muslim converts do face that. Some families react very positively and uh, you know, they notice a positive change in their child and they're, they're much happier, or, or family members. Um, but a lot of Muslim converts do experience hostility from their friends and family. But at the end of the day, it comes down to um, basically misconceptions. And the job for the Muslim convert is really just to, to teach their family about what it means for them to become a Muslim. And often they'll, they, I've been told things like, I had to explain to my parents, I'm becoming a Muslim, it doesn't mean that I'm going to become a terrorist or I'm not giving up my love for you. I'm not going to, you know, have to give up um, things that we enjoy doing together or whatever they may be. But it's just something that it's like an addition to myself of who I am. Um, I'm just developing a new um, aspect of myself and just feels like I'm improving my life. But generally, yes, I think it's important to make people aware that Muslim converts can face that 
uh, initial difficulty with their family just because of the stigma that is attached to Islam because of the misconceptions, really. I mean, what other challenges do they face, sort of friends and family aside? Well, <clears throat> there's, there's a whole range of um, difficulties, but I don't want to sound too negative and pessimistic, like these are ov- um, not overcome, they, they can't be overcome, because of course they can, and many p- people do that. But, you know, the, the problems can range from simple things like acquiring the confidence to use Islamic phrases, to say, Assalamu alaikum, to say, inshallah. These, these are some of the most simple, simple, basic sort of issues that people can encounter. And then obviously going to much bigger problems, people can face um, whether they will be accepted by others. If they're female, they, they might find the idea of wearing hijab. If they want to pursue that, they might find that as a, as a quite a radical change that they need to adapt to um it can depend on their age it can depend on um their ethnicity there's obviously a different experience whether somebody's a, a white muslim convert or a black muslim convert which makes things a bit more complicated but it's quite interesting to think about that too how is it interesting and in, i mean how they relate to maybe a pakistani muslim yeah. so someone like me who is born in britain but has a pakistani background and yeah. we're very much in the majority in in britain yeah um well you see there's there's two sides here again um it's a complicated picture i don't want to simplify things too much but when muslim converts come into the community there's two reactions that are often talked about one reaction is the excited reaction where they're welcome with open arms and people are very excited that they've embraced Islam and they want to hear their story and sometimes can become emotional to hear about the journey that they've been on um, because there are some remarkable stories. Um, and, that, and that's, you know, the positive side. On the negative side, there have been reports of Muslim converts feeling as though they haven't been accepted. Um, you know, they've not, some, some Muslims, unfortunately, we have... We have to admit that we have racism in our community and some Muslims do have uh, racist ideas about um, other cultures mm. and about people from different backgrounds. So mm. there, is, there is that notion that um, Muslim converts, some people wrongly assume that they're not proper Muslims in inverted commas. Um, but of course, the, the, the Muslim converts are capable of <clears throat> excuse me, um, getting over that really. And, you know, fitting in and making their own space in the community. Leon, I mean, there are no statistics about how many people convert to Islam. and We always hear that Islam is the fastest growing religion in the world. From your research, have you spotted any trends or patterns? Well, yeah, you're right. There is no statistics about how many Muslim converts there are. Um, And we do often say it's the most fastest growing religion. Um, Strictly speaking, we can't prove that. But we do see anecdotal evidence to see how many Muslims are co- coming to Islam. Um, people who attend mosques on Fridays will know perhaps every week or every other week you'll see somebody coming and saying, you know, that they want to be a Muslim. But I don't think that um, we should think in terms of numbers. It's not really a numbers game. Mm. And we, we, you know, we, we often think that quality is more important than quantity. So we shouldn't really feel, I think, as though... Is it, we have to have a great number, we have to convert people and we have to have more than you know, other groups have. But the, the fact is that there are many, many Muslim converts and just from putting out a call for you know, people to come forward to help me, I've spoken to literally hundreds of Muslim converts mm. from different places. So I do have a feeling that there are many Muslim converts out there. It's hard to talk about trends in terms of which type of people are more likely yeah, to come to Islam. Yeah, there isn't a profile of person Yeah, there's most no profile. To... I've spoken to young, old, you know, black, white, Chinese. I've spoken to all 
people from all types of background of speaking to people who, you know, we could call them upper class. I've talked to people who have been lower class, people who've had... um, who've been in prison, people who've traveled around the world. There's there's all sorts of people. Mm. So you, you can never really write somebody off and say that person will will never convert to Islam. Islam is really a religion that attracts so many different types of people. Leon, finally, what do converts bring to Muslim life in Britain? Well, um I think that they I think that they potentially bring a lot to Muslim Muslim communities and to the wider community. Uh one of the most common obvious things that they bring is almost acting as bridge builders or cultural mediators where they're able to bring people together because they have an understanding of Muslim culture or Muslim communities and Islamic practice and they also have some awareness of non-Muslim perceptions and non-Muslim lifestyles so they can appreciate the different perspectives. One interviewee I spoke to told me that she feels as though she has a foot in both camps. Mm. So I think that one of the really important things they can do is in, in terms of helping to bring people together and kind of when they're with Muslims, being able to stick up for non-Muslims, if you like, and when they're with non-Muslims, being able to stick up for Muslims. So just really bringing people together, hopefully. So that's interesting. Uh, White reverts acting as bridge builders between Muslim communities and non-Muslim communities. Didn't really think of it like that, but thanks a lot, Leon. That was Leon Masavi from Lancaster University. We've just heard about some of the difficulties encountered by converts, but if you're living somewhere like London, which is either so broad-minded or oblivious to who you are and how you live, you might not notice or care that you're in a minority. But what if you're on your own? What if you stick out like the proverbial? I went to Cardiff to meet a network of Muslims around Wales to hear about their experiences and to find out why a little support sometimes goes a long way. I didn't expect to find the Muslims I've came across were so genuine, honest and trustworthy. It's difficult to say. The old environment was very pleasant. So after meeting these Muslims, I just had to find out more about Islam. I simply did not know enough about Islam in the environment I'm in from Britain. Now, where you live, what's the environment like there? I mean, is it a very sort of multicultural environment? Are there people from different religious denominations there? Uh, no, not really. I'm very isolated. There's one house across the road from me, across the lane. My nearest neighbour after that is almost one mile away. So Muslims are very few and far between, which made it very difficult for me in the initial stages of coming into Islam to, to try and find somebody... I could become friends with. How have you managed to sort of gain a network of friends, if you like? Uh, well, I didn't really obtain a network of friends. That's a problem with where I'm living. Um, but I think that's to be expected as well from where I'm living. It's something I've got to accept by living there. Well, my eldest brother became Muslim uh, when I was quite young, when I was like 12 or 13 or so. So uh, he kind of pointed me in the right direction, and uh, Islam just has always made sense to me. Your brother being a Muslim before you, did that make it easier for you to embrace Islam? It made it easier for me to learn about Islam and uh, meet people in the Muslim community. What about your parents? They kind of anticipated it based on how we uh, acted, for example. You know, we weren't Muslim at the age of 12, 13, but we refrained from like eating pork. We never kind of really drank alcohol. We just didn't grow up like other teenagers. When you meet 
Muslims who are maybe born into the religion, how do they respond to you when you tell them that you're Muslim? They're generally very excited. They're really pleased to hear about conversion and they get really shocked when like, I speak like, quite good Arabic because I, I studied it for two years. And do you find it difficult coming from outside the sort of South Asian culture because lots of Muslims in Britain come from India, Pakistan, Bangladesh. Has that posed any problems or...? You just need to get to know your community and after you get to know your community then you can go anywhere in the country or anywhere in the world and you can walk in with confidence and know that you know there won't be an issue and people generally look up to you with respect rather than look down upon you. I mean I get the feeling that um, in certain parts, you know in Cardiff for example you have lots of mosques, it's, it's maybe easier to meet Muslims but what about people who come from places where there are no Muslims? Usually people have access to the internet nowadays and you can use the internet to find out you know, so much information. Obviously there's some bad publicity on the internet for Muslims but generally if you, you know, point in the right direction you can find anything and everything you want more than you could get from a local mosque. Obviously it's important to meet with people and socialise and things like that so uh, we're here for a point of contact within Wales so if anybody wants to meet up or needs help you know because certain things generally people will need to be taught in person like praying and you know just to get to know the community and fulfill all their obligations. My name's Omar I'm originally from Swansea I live in Newport now I'm part of a loose network of new Muslims around Wales um, we meet once a month in Swansea and occasionally we meet on an ad hoc basis either at people's houses or sometimes we just go out for meals in restaurants. And what's the purpose of meeting up? Firstly, it's about socialising. Sometimes when people come into Islam, they kind of drift away from their old friends and acquaintances or they can't socialise in the same sort of venues that they did before. A lot of the existing socialising networks, we can't fit into very easily. So um, a lot of the, the Muslims obviously in South Wales are Pakistani or Bangladeshi and so on. And it, it's sometimes you feel a bit awkward and a bit out of place so we try to create you know settings where we we can share our sense of humor which might not go down so well with people that perhaps don't don't get it so we've heard lots of people talking about why they become muslim now let's talk about how you become muslim on the face of it all you have to do is recite some words and promise to stop eating and drinking certain things there are websites that take you through conversion step by step. Some sites even offer a live chat facility. But I'm going to do it old school with nothing but a microphone to help me. If Islam is the world's fastest growing religion, it can't be that hard to bring people into the fold, can it? Let's find out. Can we play a word association game? Okay, yes. If I say alcohol, you say... Vodka. If I say pork, you say... Pigs. <laughs> Do you know anything about Islam? Very little. Oh, I know they don't eat pork. Do you come from a religious tradition yourself? No, not at all. Have you ever thought about converting to a religion? Uh, yes, if I did, I'm afraid it would be Ju Judaism. Because back in my grandparents, one of them was Jewish. And I quite like the idea of that, but I'm really not into any religion. OK, thank you very much. How do you feel about alcohol? I love it. How do you feel about um, bacon? Um, nicer sandwiches. That's about it, really, isn't it? Do you ever go to church? No. Um, have you ever thought about God in any way? No. How could somebody convince you to maybe convert to a particular religion? I couldn't. Every war you go to, it's laid down to religion. 
Have you ever thought about converting to Islam? No. Would you like to know how to convert to Islam? Not particularly, no. I'm an atheist. Generally, I find religion to be a waste of time, um, but I'm, I have some interest in the cultural side to religion. I mean, I've uh, I purposefully uh, visited my local mosque in Finsbury Park to see what it was like. I went to the um, Pentecostal church to a service there to see what it's like. So I've, I've kind of looked at uh, what different uh, religions do, you know, from uh, a cultural position. But uh, as I say, I find religion itself a sort of waste, waste of time for me personally. Can I just ask you a few questions? They may seem a bit odd, but um, do you drink? Often, yeah. Okay. Do you eat pork? No. Okay. Um, I see you're nicely covered up. Do you believe in God? Yes. Have you ever thought about becoming Muslim? Because you've got two out of three. Uh, I'm actually Muslim. Are you? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Were you born a Were you born a Muslim? Uh, yeah. Okay. And which part of the world are you from? I'm from Morocco. You're from. I was born in Morocco. Yeah. Do you know lots of people who have converted to Islam? Yeah, about four or five. Yeah. I think they compared the Islam to the other religions, and you know they found themselves. Either, uh, I think they found themselves uh, quite excited and uh, comfortable with their religion, and uh, that's uh, the way I think for the European people. The way they, you know, they have to study first. They have to, you know, to make a research regarding the Islam, and at the end they will take their own own decision to convert or not. So. Thanks to all those good people for humouring me. Now, obviously I wasn't being serious in my attempts to convert people, although there are some out there who take it upon themselves to recruit non-Muslims and sometimes they can be quite aggressive about it. Whatever you decide to do, and it's the same with all life-changing decisions, make sure it's something you want for yourself, not because someone is telling you to do it. One thing worse than being a bad Muslim is being a sad Muslim. I'm going to go a bit EastEnders and Hollyoaks now, if you've been affected by any issues raised in the programme or you're looking for some support, there is lots of information out there. For example, you could check out leadsnewmuslims.org or if you're looking for information and classes, then try newmuslimsproject.net. Earlier in the show, you heard a montage of famous Muslim converts. We're about to reveal their identities, so give yourself a tuck beer for every correct answer. They were... We were doing a lot of the same works, but on different parts of the world. Jermaine Jackson. A union to work together. My wife, in actual fact, uh, shops at Marks and Spencer's. Chris Eubank. She actually, she buys an ordinary outfit and yes. she changes the buttons and everything and she makes it look spectacular. So Marks and Spencer's, in actual fact, is, has some very good quality clothing. I needed a break and uh, I took the opportunity. Cat Stevens. Those were were very upset, the fact that there would be no more Cat Stevens, you know, records, or tours for that matter. Um, I feel like I'm relevant. I mean, I feel like, you know, I call my album The Renaissance because over the last few years there's been a lot of discussion. Q-tip. Amongst the coveted brain trust here in hip-hop about the depreciation of the music. How many of you guessed that Q-Tip was a Muslim? And you just thought he was from a tribe called Quest. Shame on you! That's all for Islamophonic this month. The programme was produced by Scott Corley and presented by me, Riaz Atbat. 
Jazakallah for joining us and until February when we will probably talk about sex, although I can't guarantee it. Masalama. <laughs> <laughs>